Well, good morning. My name's David John Phillips. I have the joy and honor of getting to be the pastor here. No place I'd rather be, nothing I'd rather be doing. And so thank you for coming. I love you. I love this church. And man, I'm proud. I'm proud to get to call this place home. And I'm, I'm proud of you guys. We had a prophetic workshop yesterday. Um, and I, I want to say, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I want to say... We had 45 people show up for the prophetic workshop and spend six hours, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. here, being trained and equipped. And it was just uh, absolutely amazing and wonderful, full of grace. And so this is, this is Todd and Diane. Everybody say hi. Yeah, they're amazing. I, uh, I'm very intentional, and we're continuing our Corinthian series today. And, you know, in Corinthians, it talks about prophecy and other things. So I wanted to, to give the opportunity um, for you guys to be equipped by them. And I'm very intentional about our soil. Um, when you think of the, the, the soil, it's, it's like the culture, the culture of our church. I'm very intentional about what sows into the culture of our church and how we... Um, what rocks we take out of the culture of our church so that we can have a healthy soil so that if God plants you here, you can flourish and bear much fruit. Amen? And so I'm very intentional about what we allow to sow into the culture of our church because I want, I want it to be kingdom-minded. I want it to be biblical. I want it to be healthy. And they're going to fertilize. They, they have, through, through the prophetic workshop yesterday, we've already seen it if you were here, but today they're going to fertilize our culture well because it's the culture of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Um, I, I know them well. I know where they come from. Part of my research was studying uh, some of the leaders of the, the network that they're a part of in Canada, about 3,000 churches. I got to uh, study um, um, uh, Dave Wells, Pastor Dave Wells, and Pastor Joel Wells, and, and Ian Bird, Pastor Ian Bird, who's over the network. Pastor Dave started the whole thing. Uh, Pastor Joel leads the church they've been a part of for 30, 40 years, you know, and, and they've just been radically faithful and shown a character that is, is, you know, character lasts. And they've shown that kind of character to stand and to last, but they also go into the different churches and train them and equip them in, in prophecy. So, so I want you guys to open up your hearts to hear and to receive um, from uh, Todd and Diane. They're amazing. Hi. Well, we're so happy to be here. You know, we were at the very first, when the first, when the church first started, I think four years ago at the other school, and we met some of you, like Wanda, who we saw again this morning coming in. So uh, we just sort of feel like we've been coming and keeping an eye on you guys. It's our third time. We're so blessed, so blessed to see what's happening. And, you know, we did the workshop yesterday on prophetic, and then um, David asked if we wanted to share today. And so I asked him, I said, you know, David, I taught for six hours or whatever yesterday. Do you mind if I just prophesy? And uh, <laughs> so he said he was good with that. Um, you know, and Todd's going to share in the area of prophetic vision, which goes along with that. But because I, I do a lot of teaching as well as prophesying, I just felt like there's a couple things I'll teach uh, just as I prophesy. And one is, is that when you hear a word that's coming from the Lord, um, it, your first uh, measure is it has to line up with Scripture. 
So that is a, a careful guard that you have when you hear prophecy. The other guard they talk about, they say it's an inner witness of the Holy Spirit. So there's something about the word that's almost like bypassing your mind, but it's grabbing your heart. And then there's uh, just the um, part that prophecy has to be judged. So because lots of times prophecy is talking about things future and to come, it has to be judged. And so that's not instant. You're evaluating and you're waiting to see over time, is this what's happening? But the good thing about prophecy, a benefit, is can actually give you a focus as a church. Some of the things that are the now things, the next things to step into. So I'm just going to do that a little bit as I um, share with you what, um, the Lord put on my heart and first of all I'm going to start with a scripture in Isaiah 61 I have a feeling that maybe you've had this kind of a word over you before but it's called the year of the Lord's favor and I believe um, I believe according to scripture that you guys are actually in a time of favor and that's something that you can believe for your personal lives and you can believe that for your church and so I'll just read a few verses here it says the spirit of the sovereign Lord I'm changing it to say is upon you because the Lord has anointed you to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives yea, and release the darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and that doesn't mean you keep the favor for yourself you're going to declare it and you're going to put uh, just declare that favor for your community as well as yourself and provide for those who, who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness you will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor like Mariah was saying it's not about displaying people's splendor it's about displaying his splendor and one of the things that we look for in the prophetic is confirmation so did you notice the first worship song had some words that came exactly from the scripture and so we know that's the Holy Spirit wanting to speak and wanting to underline now I'm going to go into some of the specific interesting things that I that I felt that are a challenge for certain groups but I um, really felt first of all I saw um, I knew that there was a giant religious building that needed to be pulled down through a, pair, a prayer chain. And so to the prayer warriors and to the worship warriors, I saw a rope going being uh, put over a giant religious structure and it needed to be pulled down. Have you seen in tug-of-war where there's several people pulling on the same rope? That's what I saw needed to happen. So in order to have the freedom for the things that the Lord wants you to walk into, sometimes there's a battle. And I actually feel this church has been called as an army and everybody has a place and position in that army and it's going to take the strength of working together with the Holy Spirit to pull that religious structure down and it's it's one that is going to then create greater freedom and it's worth the work to get rid of that demonic structure I saw an expansion happening in your church in fact I had a very interesting picture because I saw couples coming up this side of the stage in wedding in wedding garments and then I saw them go down the other side of the stage and they were holding children in their arms and I felt like the Lord was speaking of an acceleration that there's going to be some weddings coming up but very quickly there's 
going to be families produced as well. And I feel like that is a word for your church as young families are coming in. But there's going to be, an, uh, I think, like a supernatural acceleration. And that's an exciting thing to happen. But I feel like God is building families as part of the foundation. And that's part of the focus is reaching and building into families. And I actually felt that even though this church has been very outreach-minded and still will always have that part as the DNA, I really saw that um, there needed to be a pouring into families that happens right in this next season. Maybe some, maybe some parenting classes, maybe some teaching in the area of, of building good marriages. Um, right now, I felt like the Holy Spirit wants to pour right into the body to build such a strong foundation for things that, that are to come in the future. Um, I just saw that um, as, as that happens, there's stable homes, there's stable families, that there was just going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. And even as we saw in uh, the communion today, I just could see there's so many that are hungry for communion. There's so many that are hungry for community. And so as God brings you together, that's actually forming uh, just a very strong foundation. And then in days ahead, I believe the outreach is going to be just uh, amazing. But God's saying, build the foundation, and you're really going to just see the increase. But know that you're in the favor of the Lord right now. Do you know what? When there's a time of favor it's like you've got your pulse on the Holy Spirit that gives you boldness to make declarations and to ask for the things that you almost don't want to say out loud the big things the things that God has to do that you have to let the Holy Spirit partner with you so take the favor of the Lord the favor of the Lord also reverses what you see happening in the natural so when economic times are tough when it seems like this is not a time to build a business in God's economy economy it's time to build when you've got the favor of the Lord you take it and you run with it and I just feel like God's saying this is your year this is favor for you for your individuals and also to spill out into those that are around you to gather them in because we want to build up who Jesus is we want to say he is a God that makes things happen for us he is a God that works on our behalf he's a God of favor I don't know, it's not mine. <laughs> I thought she brought her coffee up, and I thought, I can't believe you brought your coffee up here. I mean, <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> well, good morning, church. Good morning. morning. This has been an awesome morning already. I don't know how it can get better. <laughs> Hallelujah. David, uh, where are you, David? Pastor David. But over there, there he goes. All right. He gave me an encouraging word this morning before, uh, just before the service started, and it, it went something like this. He said, I just want you to know, I just want you to know that no matter how bad you preach this morning, we still love you. <laughs> I, go, I go, where did that come from? <laughs> I know where it came from. <laughs> so, bless you, bro. Um, we are so blessed to be here. Um, I, did have, I did have a situation. I was a speaker at a Christmas banquet. And uh, we had to drive a couple hours to get there, and we had company. We took a couple with us, so we're talking all, and I'm trying to run through things in my mind, right? And I got there, and I don't eat much when I'm speaking, so I just had this little bit of food and all this great banquet. So I'm sitting there, and, and, and my mind went blank, like totally blank. I had no clue 
what I had written, what I was going to say, and, and I was about to get called up to the stage, and I went, oh my God, this is your worst nightmare, right? When I was a kid, if I was, when I was a teenager, if you gave me a pistol or a mic, I would have taken a pistol. <laughs> but I, I, I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to get up there. What's the worst thing that can happen? I said, well, I can be a, a fool. I'll be a fool. And I said, all right, Lord, I will be a fool for you. <laughs> you know what? That's the key. That's the key. I stood up. I went up there, and all of a sudden, boom. It was all there. I didn't, and I'm not good at following notes. You'll probably notice that. But I do have some notes here. So I, uh, this is a great church. I, I don't know how, uh, how to really. We, we are always excited to come here. Uh, in fact, we'll, any excuse that we can to get here, we will do that. And so we're really blessed to be with you and the fellowship here. Uh, we, just, we just love uh, Pastor David and Courtney. We love the other leaders that we know. And it's just it's an awesome time of just connecting and sharing uh, what God's doing. And uh, so I, I've heard it several times, and, and, I, and I already had that in my heart. This is a great church. This is a great church. And uh, it's one of the greatest that I know. You're a young church. You're a really young church, but you have an awesome uh, foundation and you have a great vision. Uh, but I want to challenge you today. <laughs> You're going to have to fight for that, yeah. right? It won't come easy. Moving forward, you're going to have to battle. Diane spoke. I didn't know what she was going to talk about. So <clears throat> you're going to have to do spiritual warfare. You're going to have to stay focused. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and work. And if you're willing to do that, your church will grow, will expand. Its influence will be uh, beyond your wildest dreams. And uh, we just celebrated our 50th. Anniversary, sorry, not me. <laughs> our church. We're only 46. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> So uh, we've actually been there 45 years. We celebrated our 50th this uh, couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was really awesome. We sang some of those old songs, you know, jump around. And, so it was cool. But anyway, um, I, it just put us in mind how far God has brought us in 50 years. And, uh, and I want to say to you, because you're a young church, it's worth it. It's worth it. Everything you put in, you get back multiplied. It's worth it. So don't lose focus. Don't lose heart. Don't lose vision because that will carry you to where God wants you to go. So I, I'm going to actually start with 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 because I know that's where you are. And uh, I want to share a verse there. Um, and <clears throat> And Mariah did a great job this morning. I, I thought, okay, well, leave me something to say. <clears throat> and then, uh, but first, uh, first Corinthians 12 and verse 12 and uh, 12 to 14. So, uh, what is First Corinthians 12 best known for? It's best known for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and at the end, uh, Paul says, uh, eagerly seek the greatest gifts, and yet I will show you a better way. The context of the gifts is actually not, it's, the chapter is about unity. It's about love. It's about the same spirit. It's the spirit that we came into the kingdom, the same spirit is in each one of us, and we are each one a part of the body. Even the ones that we would consider the least important 
the Lord says, are the most important. So it's in a spirit of love and of unity that we will be able to fulfill the call, your destiny, your call as a church. You will be able to do that. So you need to resist all those other things <coughs> that would break the unity, cause division, and will take the love out of your congregation, out of your community. Um, <coughs> I, I, read, I just read it here in one of the epistles um, if someone is causing division, Paul says, warn them. <laughs> I know it's a gracious church, but he says, Paul wasn't always that gracious. He says, warn them two or three times and then ask them to go. <laughs> All right? Because unity, love, is the foundation of the church. Um, love for Jesus, which is vertical. Love for one another, which is horizontal. Those are the two greatest commandments. Don't forget that. So the scripture here, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, um, 12 to 14. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but it's all its parts, many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, where we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the same spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So what I want to talk to you about this morning, what I want to challenge you with, is what is your part? <laughs> what is your part? What can you contribute to the body that is going to make this body successful? What's your part? And if you don't know yet, God will show you. He will tell you. So, um, <clears throat> I'm going to start with Pastor David. <laughs> Pastor David, what is your part? Well, you don't have to answer <laughs> right out loud. Uh, he knows his part, and he does it very well. I've observed that. You wouldn't be here. This church wouldn't be where it was if it wasn't for Pastor David and Courtney and the team that's being raised up around them. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm going to say this. The main role of leaders is to discern the vision for the house. So in that sense, they are the ears, the eyes, and the heart of the church so that they can communicate that to you so that you can catch the vision and run with it. So his main role, <coughs> and Courtney's main role, and some of the other leaders, is to be continually casting and modeling vision. Vision. Secondly, <coughs> their role is to disciple. You thought, because it's Pastor David, that his primary call is to pastor you. No, it isn't. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you. I hope you're not disappointed. <laughs> His secondary role is to raise up disciples, leaders, as himself, to multiply, duplicate, and some of those will pastor you. So in the beginning, when you're first starting out, and you're a young church and you're starting, you do everything. Who was on the drums this morning? <laughs> Pastor David, right? Who's here on Friday night helping set up? Pastor David. I mean, we were doing it all in the beginning. I'm not even going to list you all the things <coughs> we were doing. And uh, you have to be careful with that, and you have to guard one another because you don't want people running out of gas. That's called burnout. 
And that is not healthy for the church. It's not healthy for the body. You as a body don't want to burn out and you don't want to burn out your leaders and you don't want to burn out. How are you going to not burn out? (laughs) Vision. Keep vision. And the center part of vision is revelation by the Holy Spirit. So you need to be in constant communion with the Spirit of God. Isaiah 40, everybody knows that verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It says even the young men get weary. I'll take that. (laughs) Even the young men get weary, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall rise up on wings as eagles. They shall run and not weary. They shall walk and not faint. And if you're going to have heavenly vision, if you're going to be able to see spiritually with spiritual, <laughs> David, Pastor David asked me, are you going to be taking, he take my mic to my, <laughs> my glasses here. So he said, are you going to take your glasses off? And I said, no. And then I said, oh, maybe. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd had the thought that I would take my glasses off because vision is really dependent on your lenses. What lenses are you looking through? All right? Are you looking through a worldly lens? Are you working through a self-indulgent um, or self-centered lens? Are you looking through the lens of Jesus? Do you see yourselves, your brothers and sisters? Do you see the world that he gave his life for? Do you see them as Jesus does? Like out there, it's chaos, right? It's chaos. Interesting, we've been staying in these different motels. Of course, we don't know until we get there. We go, okay, this is, uh, I don't know what we call it, social services at home. <laughs> Everybody's on the dole, I think. And so, so we're there, and it's, uh, you know, and if you are, you are. That's, that's, that's where you are. But anyway, it's just showing us the need. People need Jesus need Jesus. They need Jesus. And the world, I'm sorry to tell you, is not getting brighter. It's getting darker. But I'm going to tell you the good news is the world gets darker, we get brighter. That is Isaiah 60, the chapter before, the one my wife was using. <coughs> Rise, shine, for your light has come. He has come. So arise and shine because gross darkness is covering the world and I hate to let you in on this, but it's actually going to get darker. It's going to get darker. It's going to get more challenging. Uh, we need to prepare for that. Difficult times, challenging times. But in the midst of that, we were talking last night about the outreach in Pakistan and India and um, Iran. And Muslim and, and, and Hindu countries were, they had no, some, they had no, <laughs> never heard the gospel, didn't even know who Jesus was. Some of them were having visions of this man uh, who they identified as God, and then they found out later it was Jesus Christ, and they, got, they were saved, right? They were saved. Nobody preached to them. Now, that's not the rule, <laughs> right? We need, to be, we need to be speaking and living the gospel. <clears throat> but we are going to have such awesome opportunities not just in Clearwater, already in Pakistan, India, these other places, but God is sending us and some of you to the far corners of the world because uh, he wants the gospel in every language group, every tribe, every nation. Before the end, he will do that. Hallelujah. Like I said, I'm trying to get back to my notes and 
where are we? <laughs> uh, so that was the leader's part. <laughs> Some of you get your own. I talked about the revelation. Jesus said, Matthew 16, 18, he said, on this rock I will build my church. And the Roman Catholic Church mistakenly identified then Peter must therefore be the first pope. Well, I'm happy to say there wasn't even a Roman Catholic Church for the next 300, 400 years. So that was not true. What Jesus is really talking about is the revelation of who he is. He's talking about the gospel on this rock. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Don't believe everything you hear in the news. God's keeping the, <laughs> the truth is upstairs. <laughs> He's keeping the books. I tell my students, well, I used to tell my students, I'm retired now. I used to tell them, don't believe what you read in the history books because just remember who wrote them, you have to test everything, <laughs> right? And uh, history is written, written by the winners, not the losers. And God's a winner. He's keeping the records. And we will see at the end of it all. We will see the truth, the records. So the kingdom, I heard it, is like a mustard seed. It is sown into the ground and it grows and it grows and it grows. It's like yeast that goes into the dough and it ferments the entire dough and it grows and it grows and it grows. And if you look at history as recorded, you see the church, okay, it was doing okay here, it was doing not so good here. And then it kind of, we had an awakening and da-da-da. And you know what, we need, we need revival. We need awakenings. We need those. And we are the precipice of a great awakening. I can tell you that with utmost confidence <coughs> that it is coming. But <coughs> the truth is, the kingdom of God has never receded. It has always advanced. Always advanced. Jesus never lost a battle, ever. So even what the enemy means for evil, he uses for good. So you can't beat that. Hallelujah. How do I do in here? Okay. Um, members part. <laughs> okay. I'll challenge you with this. When Paul and Silas were sent out uh, as apostles, as missionaries, on their first missionary journey, they went from town to town, city to city. They were persecuted. They moved to the next one and so on. That's how it went. In one, Paul was stoned and possibly even died and was brought back. But they got to Berea, and when they spoke in the synagogue of Berea, the Bereans, the scripture says, were more noble than their brethren in the other communities. They said, come back tomorrow, we're going to search this out and see if it be true. See if it be true. So they took what Paul and Barnabas were teaching them, they went and they searched it out prayerfully and came back and said, we believe. Many were... Many were converted in that city uh, <coughs> of Berea because they were the ones that searched out for the truth. They wanted to know. They didn't shut off because they were religious. They actually wanted to know. So, We're talking here about vision. We're talking here about purpose. We're talking about everybody's part. So your responsibility is to search it out and <coughs> test it in your own heart. And I said, 
what we do is we, we need to be in the quiet place. We need to be prayerfully considering it based on Diana's Diane said scripture and what the, feel the Holy Spirit is saying to us and in con- um, confer with people that we trust. And we do those things, then we will have, um, we will have an assurance that what we are doing and what we are believing is the truth. God has all those safeties for us, but it's, it's, <clears throat> it's vitally important. Truth sets us free, gives us vision, helps us to move forward. Um, there's, a, there's a prophet, his name is Larry Randolph, and uh, he's actually losing his vision. And uh, he's, he's prayed about this, and God has not healed him. But what God has shown him, that as he was losing his natural vision, his spiritual eyes were sharpened. He could see in the spirit with more clarity. He could hear with more clarity and understand what God is, what season, what God is saying in this season. There was another group there called the tribe of Issachar, said they were more noble than their brethren because they knew the times and the seasons and I think um, this morning there's been so much talk about the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit because revelation is by relationship you can't have revelation of truth if you don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit you don't have a relationship with Christ by the Holy Spirit in fact, Paul says in Romans um, 12, he says, he says, sorry, 8, he says that uh, the carnal mind cannot comprehend the things of God. It's not possible. It's like oil and water. It's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. So it's only by the Spirit of God that we can understand the things of the kingdom and understand God. And sometimes people will say, well, I don't know. I don't know if I hear from God. I don't know if I've ever heard from God. I'm a Christian, but I don't know if I hear from God. I can assure you that if you are a Christian, (laughs) you have heard from God. Because God gave you a revelation of who Jesus is, the Savior, and you heard that in your heart and you responded to that truth and you were saved, you were born again. That couldn't happen if you didn't hear (laughs) the voice of God. Peter, when he spoke, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Simon Barjona, you are blessed. He said, his flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven, reveal that to you, to your heart. So what I really want to emphasize here is the heart to heart. Here with your heart. We've gone through some really rocky waters in terms of the prophetic in the last number of years. Uh, I kind of started <laughs> partly with American election, which we follow very closely, by the way. <laughs> and uh, as goes America, so goes Canada. So uh, we follow that, and there was a lot of confusion, and there was a lot of discrediting of, of prophetic, uh, prophetic people because of the, the contradictions and so on. And, and so it wasn't a healthy thing. But now God is saying he wants us to be able to discern what is true and what is not true. So I will challenge you with this. In your quiet time, as you are prayerfully waiting on the Lord, as you are worshiping, as you are reading scripture in that, in that attitude, what God shows you in those times, you will see it 
confirmed um, <clears throat> by other people and other times, other voices. And what you know to be true in secret, you will recognize in public. Now, there's always safety. There's always safety in checking with those you trust, right? Whether you're prophetic, whether you're talking about prophecy, or just, did I hear that right? Was it, is that true? Did that, what that person spoke? Do you believe that? Those are good, healthy conversations to have. But I'm challenging today to be good Bereans and to listen with your heart. This takes time. This takes uh, waiting on God. This takes a relationship with Jesus, an intimate relationship with him. So all, all of the above. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned, oh, <laughs> all right, we're going to have to move on there. Leave that. Okay, I want to I want to go to um, uh, well-known scripture Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen, and this is really the pivotal scripture for this morning, and uh, <clears throat> I'm going to give it uh, to you actually in two versions, and then I'm going to give you a paraphrase. But Proverbs twenty-nine eighteen, uh, it says, "Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint." The King James says, King James Version says, without a progressive vision, people dwell carelessly. Now, it may not be as accurate, the King James, but I actually prefer that definition. And I have a paraphrase here that I didn't write out for Dolores, but I'll, I'll just read it to you. It says, without a current, progressive, revelatory understanding of God's plans and purposes in our lives, we lose our forward momentum Become complacent and vulnerable to the enemy. Is that good? That's good? Good, because I wrote that. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you a few examples of Scripture, where, uh, where in particularly Israel, where they lost vision, they lost control, they lost self-restraint, they became vulnerable to the enemy. So uh, one of the immediate ones, when the Lord led them out, Moses led them out of Egypt through the miracles and so on, the parting of the Red Sea. And then he got to Mount Sinai where he is going to give the law. Moses goes up on the mountain. Well, when Moses was gone, they had no revelation because he wasn't there. They didn't have a relationship with God. Moses did. But while he was gone, they're going after 40 days. They're saying, where is this guy? Where's this man? Well, this guy just delivered you from Egypt from miracle after miracle. But that is how um, fickle human nature is. So in 40 days, they already backslid. They're already coming down the mountain. They made their own gods. They're having a big party. And, uh, and they think uh, Moses uh, thinks it's, it's, it's war, but it's really the Lord says to them, no, they're, they're, having, they're having a party. They've already walked away from me. No revelation, they walked away. Um, <clears throat> and later on, they got to Kadesh Barnea, where they were supposed to cross the Jordan into Canaan, into the promised land that God had promised to their ancestor Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he was about to fulfill that promise. And they got there, sent in 12 spies, 12 came back, 10 had an evil report. They said, yeah, it's, it's, it is a very fruitful land, but... <laughs> There's a big but. There are giants there and great walled cities. <clears throat> we are grasshoppers in their sight. That was the lens that they were using. 
they were looking through their own lens and they saw the giants and they saw themselves and they said, oh man, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're not going there. And yet, Joshua and Caleb stood against the majority and said, no, we are well able to do this. Those giants are bred for us. The difference being, they were using the right lens. They weren't looking at the giants. They were looking at God, Yeshua. They said, How, what's a giant compared to God? He just brought us through. Miracle after miracle delivered us, brought us through the Red Sea, drowned the army of the Egyptians in the sea, and here we are. What are we afraid of, right? They had the right perspective. Why? Because they, the Bible says they had a different spirit. They had a spirit that was aligned with the spirit of God. They had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. So, makes a difference. Later, later as they're traveling, um, they stop to rest at a place uh, called the 70 Palms, and then it, the cloud moved on. They were supposed to go, right? Well, there was some that didn't want to leave right away. They were so comfortable there, they decided to camp a little longer. So what happened is the body of, uh, of Israel had moved on, and they were straggling at the back. Well, what happened? The Amalekites came along and scooped him up. So the very people that God had delivered out of slavery in Egypt are now in a worse place, slavery to Amalekites out in the desert. Right? They straggle behind. They stop moving forward. We need to follow the cloud when God says move, move. <laughs> right? If he says stay, stay. But be in tune with the Spirit of God, so that you know. And I'm challenging you this morning as a community. It's not on past, all on Pastor David's shoulders and the other leaders here. It's on you as a body. So, uh, now Jesus talks. He talks about, in uh, Matthew 7, he talks about two paths. We have two choices, the two paths that we can choose in life. One is a broad path. Broad path that leads to destruction. He says, many go on the broad path. <clears throat> but the path to life is narrow. It's difficult. And not many find that path. Not many finish that journey. So what is the difference between these two paths? Well, one leads to destruction. One leads to life. And, uh, <clears throat> but the broad path, this is how I like to see it. The broad path is actually downhill. <laughs> It's downhill. So you get on the broad path. All you have to do to get on the broad path is stop moving. <laughs> right? You stop moving and you start coasting backwards. There's no standing still. <laughs> There's no standing still spiritually. If you stop pressing forward, you stop growing, you will start backsliding. That's plain, simple fact. So... <clears throat> The momentum will be in reverse. You will go back. You will end up in a ditch either without restraint, which is license, or you'll end up in formality, which is religion. God hates religion. He hates religion because it preempts relationship. God's about relationship, not about religion. <clears throat> so Paul, he compares life to a race uh, in a couple of places, in 1 Corinthians, but also in... Uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, <clears throat> and of course, Hebrews chapter 12 follows, it follows the uh, faith chapter where it talks about all the heroes of the faith. 
and how they are now a great cloud of witnesses. Now it is our turn. <laughs> you say, it's our turn. Now, seeing as we are accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Often he talks about the race and only one wins. You need to strive. Did anyone ever win a race by standing still? <laughs> never, never. <clears throat> That's a sure way to lose. In fact, you get booed right off the court, <laughs> right? So we've got to keep that forward momentum. We've got to keep our eye on the prize. He also says in uh, Philippians, he said, forgetting the things behind, I press towards the call, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to say this to yourself. I have a high calling from God in Christ Jesus. Because you do. You have a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are all ministers of the gospel. No exceptions, right? And remember, Corinthians says, even the one we would consider the least is the most important. They will surprise you. <laughs> You don't have to be Paul. I don't have to be Paul. I don't have to be Pastor David. I don't have to be Mariah. <laughs> right? I have to be me, the best version of me that God had in mind when he created me. That's my destiny. That's my call. So, <laughs> it's not all grunt and grind. <laughs> Is not. <laughs> when we're in the will of God, when we're pressing forward, yeah, it can be challenges. It can be even Paul got anxious at times. The very guy that said, be anxious for nothing, he said, I have anxiety over the churches. He says that in another place. I go, okay, you're human, right? <laughs> we're human. We're human. <clears throat> so we're not perfect, but we are, <clears throat> we are privileged to have the very Spirit of God in us, and greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. These are the words that we need to go to when the devil's saying, You can't do this, you can't do that, you're too small, they're too big. <laughs> I love the, I was going to talk a little about, about King David because I thought, Oh, that's kind of cool, King David. So <laughs> he raised up an army, he raised up an army of fearless warriors, but initially they were a group of, just a ragtag group of people who were distressed, uh, delusion, deluded, and they were in debt, and they, they just had everything. Going, nothing was going right for them. <clears throat> that could be some of us, right? Was some of us. <laughs> but they recognized in David a call of leadership they hitched their wagon to his wagon when he was in the wilderness running for his life. They stuck it through, and because they did, guess what? That mantle of leadership fell on them. David, the giant killer, <laughs> he <coughs> raised up giant killers. <laughs> they were giant killers. In fact, they were more than that. They were called the mighty men. One guy, one guy fought off a whole army for a patch of beans. <laughs> I mean, beans, lentils, 
He fought off, well, I'm not moving. This is, this is mine. This is my inheritance. God gave this to me. I don't come hell or high water. I am not moving. He defeated an entire army. The rest of them came back when it was all over. They had to pry the sword from his hand. Now, that guy was either crazy or anointed. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> he was anointed of God, and he was bold. Right? Never say, never give up. Winston Churchill said, <laughs> never give up. Never give up. You only lose when you give up. <clears throat> you fall seven times, you get up and go on. And God will use your failure for your good. All right, I want to want to close. I got I got to just pick a couple things here to close. Um, all right, um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make reference to the ten virgins, five foolish, five wise. The five wise kept their lamps full of oil, and they had oil to spare. They were prepared. That's a word for us. That's a word for today for the church today. All right. Um, I'm just going to uh, let's give you a quick idea here. You can think about it, you can develop it, but the early church, <clears throat> the 12 disciples, uh, they traveled with Jesus for over three years, personally discipled by Jesus, didn't have a clue. <laughs> they didn't. He was always saying, I can't believe you. How long do I have to be with you guys before you actually get it, right? They didn't expect him to rise. They didn't believe he was going to be killed. They didn't think he was going to rise from the dead. And when he did, they were surprised, right? They were human. They were human. But <clears throat> they walked with him. They were faithful. They didn't give up. On the day of Pentecost, everything changed. Everything changed. That was the birth of the church, the early church on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God was poured out on them. And suddenly, Peter gets up and says, no, we're not drunk, as you suppose, because people, they were falling over in the power of the Spirit of God. They were speaking in tongues, doing all kinds of crazy things nobody had ever said. They didn't know that was going to happen. Peter gets up. He prophesies. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke of. Like 700 years earlier, he quotes, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And then he preaches the gospel. 3,000 get saved and the church is birthed. Well, I'm just going to tell you this, that they grew by revelation. And if you follow it through the book of Acts, <laughs> Acts 3, he gets the, the man is healed. And in Acts 4, there's a shaking. And in Acts 6, uh, they, they grew so much, they had to appoint deacons. Acts 15, they finally settled the thing where the Gentiles had to be circumcised and follow the law. But it was a work in progress. How did they do it? They turned the world up in, upside down in one generation with all their limitations. All their limitations. They turned the world upside down in one generation because they were dependent on the Holy Spirit. They heard from the Holy Spirit. They built the church on the revelation of the church that God gave them because Jesus built that church. Let's stand. <laughs> So I'm, as we close in prayer this morning, um, I just want you to I just want you to talk to God, talk to Jesus about this. 
And I'm, I'm going to challenge you with this. If you're not clear on the vision, find out what it is. If you're unsure about some areas, prayerfully take that to the Lord and let God make that real, birth that in your own heart. But if you today um, <coughs> believe that this house, this vision is from God, um, and you want to say, I'm all in, I'm all in, I'm all in, then I'm going to encourage you, be all in. All right? Don't be partway. Don't be lukewarm. Be all in. Be on fire. You have the zeal here in this house. Paul says, keep your zeal. Do not lose your fervency. Keep the fire going. Keep it hot because fire spreads, <laughs> right? Now, that smoke spreads too, but it's not nearly as effective. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our own lives. We thank you for what you're doing here in Clearwater and through Real Church and through the leaders here. Father, we thank you, Father, that there is vision, that there is purpose, and there is fruit. There is fruit right in this room. There was fruit yesterday, Lord. Those that are hungry, eagerly seeking spiritual gifts. Why? So, Lord, they can be of more service to you and to one another and to the community that you place them. So, Father, I pray that that fire will continue to build. It will continue to, to grow and that the influence of this house will continue to spread, Lord, across this community, across this nation, and across the sea. Father, every place that you have foreordained that they will go and that they will sow and they will bear fruit, I pray and declare that over them today in Jesus' name, that as you raise them up as David's mighty, mighty men, his mighty band, that they will not take no for an answer, that they will engage the enemy and they will take him down. They will take him down because they know that God is with us and if God be for us, who can be against us? So Father, I pray you strengthen the hearts and strengthen the vision and that it will be clear, it will be crisp, and it will cut like a knife through every defense of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, folks. Thank you for tuning in today to The Real Church Podcast. I pray that you walk away from today encouraged and with a deeper understanding of how much God loves you. If you'd like to connect with us, we can't wait to reach out to you and pray for you. You can go to www.realchurch.us slash connect. And then also, if you would like to give to what God is doing in and through our ministry, you can do so at www.realchurch.us slash giving, or you can text any amount to 84321, and then just search in the link that comes up, search for Real Church Clearwater. God bless you, and the best is yet to come.